Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Yes Girls Tell It By Tuesday. We are in the middle of our His versus Her series. And so considering how the economy has been going, today's topic is going to be about knowing when to stay or when to go at your current workplace. And for some of you who are experienced out there, you may also be trying to determine, is now a good time to change careers? So we're going to talk through that. We have Montel here today as well as Coach Kelly. Hi, how are you both doing? Good. I, I like this topic. Hey, Coach Shauna. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this topic and have the male perspective. You guys got the trouble. I got the base. <laughs> well, thank you all for joining. So one thing I just want to dive right into, this is a very loaded question. I'll apologize in advance, but I think it's one that's anyone who's listening to our podcast, you know, we empower our listener group to definitely always be mindful of what opportunities exist for them and to take the steps they need to to create opportunities for themselves. So the question is, how can a person know if they should be preparing to exit their organization or to switch careers altogether? Sure, I'll get started. So I have changed employers several times. I've also changed careers several times. I'm on my third career. So the way I've <clears throat> approached it is always staying close to the market. <clears throat> so I subscribe to Indeed.com, to LinkedIn jobs. I keep a pulse on what jobs I'm seeing and what what's really happening in the marketplace. So I am very keen to is there a lot of jobs coming out there with, you know, looking for people like me or is it starting to, to dwindle down? So I look at it from a market perspective and I also look at it from an understanding of have I reached a point where I'm bored in my career? Am I no longer challenged? As well as can I continue to advance with this current employer or have I hit my ceiling here? I ask those questions of myself every year. So just like I go through a performance review with my employer, I take them through a performance review, just me, <laughs> and ask myself questions on what I see and what I'm, what I feel, and keep a pulse of that every year. I try to make sure that I am proactive as possible to make sure my resume is up to date, make sure I understand the pulse of what's happening in the marketplace, so I'm getting those skills, et cetera, from the current place. So when I leave, I leave better than when I came in. Thank you. It's really helpful perspective. I, I think it's funny. Some people may look at it like, uh, is, is a, you going to get them before they get you? Yes. <laughs> like you ahead of the game. Yes. I do not. I mean, I treat it, and I know Montel uses these, these acronyms or analogies a lot around dating. I use it like dating. I am dating this employer. And so I do not want to be dumped. <laughs> so I am going to do my best to stay ahead of how I'm feeling, what's happening, and I'm going to dump you before you dump me. I truly do believe that. That's exactly it. Spot on. I hear that. Montel, what's your perspective? <laughs> wow. I love that. I love that. All right. So I look at myself as a tweener, meaning that when I first graduated and got into the workforce, I was married to this job. Like this is something as long as they're treating me right and, and, and we're checking boxes and hitting these milestones, 
then I could potentially be a lifer. And after maybe I would say 10 years and seeing how some of my friends were moving differently, I thought, well, maybe this is more like Coach Kelly was saying, a, a dating situation. But I think most men look at it like milestones. Is there upper mobility? Am I being valued? Am I having some form of autonomy? Then, you know, we're good. If, if one of those things is not in line, then we can consider. If two of those things are not in line, then we're we definitely out. We got to we got to make a break for it. Interesting. I heard a couple of things. So I just want to dig in a little deeper. It seems like in Kelly's answer that she's heavily motivated. What drives her is very closely tied to her her personality. Right. Like her her dating requirements, if you want to call it that, like she got her list. Right. I've noticed you both have that shared criteria of is there upward mobility? But what I found interesting in your answer, Montel, is. You said you kind of noticed when others around you started evaluating if the organization was the right place for them to stay and remain. Do you feel like having that observation that stood out to you is more so like that male competitive, what are my what are my counterparts doing? I didn't hear Kelly say anything like that. I just thought it was a unique answer. I think so. I never thought of it like that, but I absolutely, since you said it, yeah, I think that um, men do kind of judge themselves on what their peers, their colleagues, and their friends are doing, even acquaintances. And it's not like we're competing per se, but we're definitely looking at other people hitting milestones. Like, wait a second. Oh, he's 40. He did. I'm only 30. I'm good. Oh, wait, he's 30 and did that? Oh, I'm 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 31. Okay, it's time, time for me to, to do that. That men, I've had this conversation with men a lot, and we definitely do that some consciously, some subconsciously. So that's definitely a factor. And when I said upper mobility and value, rest assured, salary is a, is a part of absolutely that, that, that algebra, <laughs> if you will. Feel that compensation's on everybody's list. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll paid. That's yeah. what, that's why we show it up for, right? Purpose and pay. <laughs> yeah. Cut the check. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll dig a little with you, Kelly, when you, do you feel like any of, any of what, how does culture affect you think, if at all, your, your drive to determine me being in the corporate space? One thing I noticed was to Montel's point, people that were more, less experienced in the workforce than me had these expectations that they should be promoting at an accelerated rate and accelerated me in my opinion. And they were people that did not look like me. So this idea of I should be getting more, let me continue to look for whatever serves me best in the marketplace. Do you feel like there's a cultural component to that or or gender component? I can't say that that yes or no on that. I think the reason why I came into the marketplace um, automatically looking at does this place serve me well is when I started out in my career, my employer that I joined fresh out of college laid off 30,000 people. So coming in new and not really understanding what's going on, what does this really mean, right? I'm new in my career. I was the first person in my immediate family to be really in a corporate space in that way. It, I really didn't know what that meant. And just seeing how so many people who were married to that job and using Montel's language, married to the job, and they were devastated, devastated. And so I think my crew, and I'm going to say my crew, my, my crew that came with me from being, you know, college graduates coming into that em- employer, we all have this mindset of 
I'm going to get you <laughs> before you get me. <laughs> and I'm going to always be looking in the marketplace so you don't ever catch me off guard like that because it was devastating. Workplace seeing, trauma, right? Seeing someone else's trauma, right? I mean, it wasn't even mm -hmm. my own. I was literally mm -hmm. volunteering. Like, can I, can, can you let me go? And, you know, one of these folks can stay. I don't have a family. I don't have all these things. So it's not as devastating to me. But seeing that made me stay on my P's and Q's all the time. I am always trying to stay ahead. Man. I want to jump in right here. I feel like these jobs are like club rats and they're not loyal. So you got to treat them as such. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the, the thought, the thought careers. That's another topic. I'd be like, what industries would you classify as thought, Montel? <laughs> I'd say all of them. I mean, we're in capitalism. I think people have to realize that, right? There is no loyalty. We are all considered at-will employees. There are no unions for a corporate employer couple right. employees. Mm -hmm. So right. we're all bargaining for ourselves. And because of that, we have to put ourselves first. This is not Thank a company you. first. Seeing that trauma, I could never put company first. Never. Yeah. That makes never. sense. So when I think about people, women in particular, making decisions about whether or not to leave the workforce, it also makes me wonder how like our societal norms around gender roles influence some of sometimes women's decisions, especially in the corporate space around, you know, should they take that next opportunity or not? And I know I've been in some situations where super capable career oriented women have had to make decisions based on their family's expectations of whether or not they climb the corporate ladder. So my, my question for you, Kelly, is what types of things should a very driven, ambitious career woman be considering, and maybe this will pull in your tips, when she loves her family, but she also really loves how fulfilled she is in the workplace, and, and she's faced with the decision of whether or not she should stay or take a more challenging role or leave. Yeah, I think if, if family is, hey, this is the priority, because some of us, our career is our number one priority, but if you're saying family is your number one priority, I think it, for me, I had my priorities wrong. And my career was my priority for a good portion of my life until my daughter and my husband was like, yo, we second to all this other stuff, right? And I had to realize like, wait, I'm not putting them first. And so I think it was a, a change of mindset that I had to make to say, I'm not coming to this offsite because I need to be here for my child. Or I'm not coming to this because I need to take my husband to the doctor today. So I started, and in my past, I wasn't very open about my familial responsibilities in terms of being there for my daughter or being there for my spouse. <clears throat> I didn't speak up about it. I would just kind of just do it. Um, my mother had cancer. I was taking her to chemo and I was taking a meeting while she was getting chemotherapy, right? So I was really, really lost <laughs> in my priorities. More trauma. But I realized I wasn't putting my family first. I wasn't even putting myself first. And I would put off doctor's appointments, dentist appointments, all those different things. And after I had the heart to heart with my family, I realized that I'm not putting my family first, even though I thought I was. And one of the things I've done is I do put them first. So any activities that they, that they have or I need to be a part of, I try to plan that as much as I can and put that in my calendar again so that I don't have to speak about all my personal business. But when something is in conflict, I do speak up now pretty loudly and say, no, I can't, I need to be there for my daughter's first day of school, period. And what I've noticed is folks don't really push back on that. 
because I've already established I'm going to get the work done no matter what, whether I'm on the clock or not, it's going to get done. And so I do feel like I was scared very early in my career to talk about that um, because I didn't want to be seen as trying to get, you know, get special privileges because I was a female, a woman, a mother, a spouse, like right. those things. Yeah. Needed it when I was single, and then I would get all these excuses, and I would be doing everyone else's work. So, I was looking at it very differently. And so, now I still do my all my work, but and I don't try to dish out on anyone else. But I do speak up more about what I need to be here for for my family, and I make that very clear when I start that mm-hmm. my family is first now. So if I meet my hiring manager and I'm talking, you know, the first day. I'm not absolutely doing it in the interview. I am my first day. I'm talking about, hey, I know we have flexibility. I'm glad that we do. I have to be on for this, right? And here's my backup plan, or here's what I'm going to do, so that they always feel like I have everything under control. So I'm being open about it now. So I think the just explaining kind of my history and coming to this revelation. So the decision to stay or go has to be around is flexibility there. Are you afraid to speak about your family and your commitments that you have personally with your manager, with your upward, with your team, whoever it is at your company? Is it an open conversation? If you do speak up about it, are you getting supported? Because if you're not, then hands down, you need to go. Because then you're going to always be in conflict with what your priorities are, right? If you feel like you are being supported, then it's other questions that you can ask around benefits, around pay, around upper mobility, around just so many other things and benefits that each employer provides to make them the employer of choice. So I think that the first question you need to ask is, are you comfortable speaking up? And then are you speaking up? <laughs> and then what is happening when you're speaking up? And if you're not feeling comfortable with those answers and the responses to those questions, then yell it's time to roll. Excellent, excellent advice. Montel, what advice would you give men that want to support a woman's desire to balance both work and home or maybe a new challenging opportunity that that could jeopardize her ability to be available all the time for her family? Yeah, I think communication is key. So whether he is an entrepreneur or he's a corporate man or stay at home dad, I think that the communication needs to be there, whether it's right when she hits the door, when she gets home or when they get home, or it's one thing I've, I read was a couple talk about giving them each other information on how much energy they have or how much percentage they have to, to devote to family this day. Listen, I had a rough day. I'm at like a 20% and the husband can come back and say, okay, I'm, I'm at, I'm at a hundred today. So we're good. I I got this. You go, you know, um, go have a, a glass of wine, go soak in the hot tub. I got this. Or we both have 50, 50. Okay. Well, you're going to do this while I, well, I'll get over here and do that. There, the expectation is set for the, for the night and for the day. And, you know, we live in these day, we should, I think, try to live in these day tight compartments where um, we know where each other is coming from on the day and we can have each other's back on the day. And so I think that the, the partner can support, you know, his corporate wife best that way. And then long term, just have check-ins, like I, I would say quarterly check-ins. How, do you, how are you liking your boss? How are you liking your projects? How are those benefits? stacking up 
are you happy in this role? You, you still see yourself here in the next one to two years? And the answer is yes. Okay, three to five years. Okay, we might be we might be taking a shift and moving on um, in that time frame. But you know, we'll we'll continue to check in and see. But I think communication is where it's at. And I think if the communication lines are open and honest, then uh, everything is going to be way easier. I like that idea. I feel like I've I've heard Brene Brown talk about something similar to what you described, where her and her spouse will start the day, especially when she's got a really hectic schedule for speaking or what have you. And they'll sit down and say, okay, how much can you give to the family today? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, man, if I had a rating scale, some days it would be like negative 50. Right. Absolutely. If you don't share that, then I think you can grow resentment. And mm-hmm. I've been in those positions where I'm like, I am like doing too much <laughs> right now. And, you know, I, I, we had to have a family meeting and, and, and like my family was just like, well, nobody asked you to do all these things. And we didn't know that this was too much for you because you were just doing it. That sounds like a, a good fantasy answer too, Montel. Like when he said open <laughs> and then honest, for me, honest was in bold print in my head. And I'm like, sometimes that's hard because a lot of times, no, no one's saying, hey, wife, this is what I expect you to do every single day before you go to bed. The wife has this idea of things she's responsible for anyway, right? But not mm-hmm. doing an inventory of those things can lead to resentment, especially as other things pile up in the workspace. And if she's not communicating, hey, this is really heavy for me, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times, I don't even think it comes down to, do you trust your partner to do it? I think it's very easy for a woman to just feel like she's supposed to manage it. Right. Absolutely. And, and that's because our our mothers have done that. Right. My mother did everything for my dad. And so that's what I saw. That's what I grew up with. And so, you know, I literally do a lot. <laughs> and I'm mm-hmm. just like, I don't get any of this back. Like, no one's making sure dinner is ready and hot for me. I'll make you laugh. <laughs> just this weekend, I was replacing toilet paper and backup toilet paper in the bathroom because I keep the supply. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. like, is anybody ever going to replace this toilet paper? If I or, don't? or replace the, you know, they'll use the toilet paper and don't put it on a holder. I mean, it's just stuff like it, that. that right, right. You see, and you're just like, I can't. I just can't, can't look at this anymore. That's so funny because I'm the toilet paper person in my house. And but see, like, that's a little small gratitude, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't feel a little walked on top of, of over that toilet paper, my tip. <laughs> and, and and I guess I've never communicated. This is this is a good segue to something else. I well, I didn't read this actually. I I saw a reel on on Insta. It was someone was saying that what's the number one cause of divorce? It's not finances. It's not infidelity, et cetera, et cetera. It's it's uncommunicated expectations. And I mm-hmm. sat back and sat, I thought I was like, yeah, that's got to be true because I don't I don't think I really have told her. Told nobody her. said it. Nobody mm-hmm. said the yeah. words. It's just like you. It. Mm-hmm. Like you expect this person to put the toilet paper on the thing, but mm-hmm. I don't think I ever told her, "Yo, are you gonna put the toilet paper on the thing?" It's mm-hmm. you, know, you, right. you need to for me. For the, like, you know. uh, so I was like, "Dang, I never said it." And yeah. I think that that communication line needs to be open and honest, or you, you know, repeated what I said. It and it's hard because sometimes we don't feel like it's we're we have a safe space, even with our spouse, to have these conversations. Yeah. So what that's the the key is to figure out how to make it safe. So figuring out how you can have these open lines of communication and how you can have a safe space to communicate your expectations. Yep. 
Yeah, but I, I, I think, think you both spoke to that. You know, Kelly mentioned a family meeting. You mentioned something very similar to like, let's have a sit down. And I think in the workplace, which was I thought was really helpful for our listeners, is that evaluation process, right? And it sounds like Kelly, you're a really linear thinker, and so you have like an actual checklist of things you're considering when you're evaluating the organization. When we talk about should you stay in the organizational relationship or not, but how how can our listeners kind of craft their own little checklist or are there any other techniques or tools that you would recommend you or Montel for people to really dig deep and evaluate if the organization is a good fit? Yeah, I think so. I want to kind of go back to the last question in terms of how to communicate, because I think we want to talk about in the professional space. You do not want to communicate when you're emotional. It is not going to be well received. I'm just going to say it. Whether you happy or sad, <laughs> I think you've got to wait for a time and opening where you're, it's not emotional and you're speaking to specifics and examples so that people can hear you, because if not, they'll just hear that emotion. So I will say that for finding that safe space is when you are not emotional. Another party may not be emotional too, right? Find that time when you've had some time to reflect before you have conversations at work. So I'm going to say that, that first. From a checklist perspective, I have created a checklist because I do like lists. I think sometimes people feel like, oh, it's better girl for the devil you know. Or the, the grass always seems green on the other side, but it's not. The grass can definitely be greener on the other side if you really understand what it is that you're looking for. You're the one that's pulling the trigger on what you take on next. You are. You're in the driver's seat. And so you need to understand what it is that you're looking for. And a list can definitely help to make sure you're not missing something, right? Because sometimes we'll, we'll see the money in terms of the salary. And then when we get there, then, oh, yeah, we don't get uh, increases in salary, but every three years or something weird or whatever, right? And so if you have these lists, you can ask those questions or research on glassdoor.com some what other people are saying about that company and even on Fishbowl, which can give you the inside scoop about what's happening at an employer. You have to do your due diligence to understand is that next employer going to be better or is it going to be more of the same? Because if it's going to be more of the same, you're not going to get more money. You're not going to get those bonuses. You're not going to get the benefits you're looking for. Then stay put. There's no point in you going somewhere else. You need to stay put, right, until you find the right opportunity to move on. We're not looking for Mr. Right now. We're looking for Mr. Right <laughs> when we move, mm-hmm. right? So right. We get, if you think about it as dating, we need to know what it is that we're looking for. And we know those non-negotiables. This is non-negotiable for me. Mm-hmm. And that needs to be clear on what you're looking for. You don't need to give that list to the employer. <laughs> it's something that you're having in your head. And when you have those interview questions with the HR resource or whoever, when you're talking about your compensation packages and, and accepting an offer, that absolutely should be in your negotiation discussion. Perfect. Any any tools or techniques you would like to share, Montel, before we wrap? Assuming a person has experience dating, look at it like you're dating because that's something that will resonate with folks, most folks. And don't compromise your standards, period, because you're not going to be happy. I see people in, in broken relationships after broken relationship after broken relationship because they fall into the same trap or spiral and they get their heart broken. Same thing. Don't just take a job because the, because of the money. The money will be there. Obviously, if it's a stepping stone and you have to take it because of you, you just have to have a job, then go for it. But you definitely uh, can't let yourself go. You, you can't just sit back on the couch and 
be content in that relationship. You got to still hit the gym and work out and still be out there looking for Miss Right or Mr. Right. So continue to sharpen your skills and have this standard. Your standard should always be rising and continuing to increase. So identify those standards and stick to them. Awesome. Well, thank you both for this very actionable advice on whether or not you should stay or you should go. There's an old song that it, the lines are as cheaper to keep her, right? That's relationship oriented. But mm-hmm. when you think about leaving an organization or staying, sometimes to Kelly point, it's better to stay with the crazy you do know. But definitely <laughs> encourage you all to use the tools and tips we talked about today and reach out if you want like to have a no cost consultation with one of our career coaches. We'll be glad to talk you through whatever your challenges are and your strategies. And we look forward to talking to you all next week.